Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. So how many of you would say that you're bad at waiting? Like, just raise up your hand like you're bad at waiting, whether that's in a doctor's office or even maybe at a red light or something like that. Like, I think Greenbrier needs more roundabouts. I'm just gonna say that. I think Conway really gets it right with the roundabouts, but I hate waiting. And Christmas is a season of waiting, isn't it? Christmas is a season of waiting and, and anticipation. My, my youngest son, Ames, he's five, he's been telling me every day for the past couple of weeks, every day, how many more days until Christmas morning? You know, he's like, it's 19 days, 18 days, you know. Uh, today, just in case you're wondering, there's 15 days. Um, so it's coming quick. I know as a kid, like, just the, the anticipation of being able to open presents was almost too much to take, wasn't it? How many of you were the kid that would go in and kind of sneak in and, and take a peek into some of the bags, yeah? Yeah, I did, I did some of that myself. And so it's hard waiting as a kid, but as a parent, I hear 15 days until Christmas and I start to panic just a little bit, right? Because it's like, there's still so much I gotta get done. Uh, Adley and I went shopping yesterday and it was crazy out. And so anyway, a lot to get done, but, but this is a season of waiting. Whether you're doing the little advent calendars or you're lighting the candles at home or whatever it is, you're counting down the days, you're waiting until Christmas. But I think if we're honest, and what we're gonna talk about today is waiting is tough. And we're not very good at waiting, are we? Like we live in an Amazon Prime type of world. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, I can't wait five to seven business days. I need that little thing tomorrow, you know? Uh, we live in a, in a day where we will skip the intro to our Netflix show because we can't wait the 30 seconds that it takes to watch that. We live in a day where it's like, we need a drive-through at our fast food restaurant type of thing. We want things quick. We don't like, we don't like to wait on things. And in fact, I would say we're bad at waiting. And that's because waiting is hard. See, at Christmas, the waiting that you are doing, you know when the waiting is going to end, don't you? December 25th, every year, the waiting ends. We open the presents. We do all the stuff. We have the traditions. We have the family time. The waiting is over. But the rest of the year, your waiting is open-ended, isn't it? You don't know when that thing that you're waiting for is going to take place. And we wait on all kinds of things. Some of us are waiting for, for life to get easier. Some of us are waiting for love, marriage, without knowing if it's ever gonna come. Some of us are waiting for children without knowing if we're ever gonna be able to conceive. Some of us are waiting for a new job or a new situation. Some of us are waiting for justice. Some of us are waiting for healing in our bodies or in our relationships. And the thing about it is at Christmas time, we get this idea and it comes from the Hallmark Channel that at Christmas time, all of our problems are magically solved and they just go away, right? But we know that that's not, that's not reality. Christmas comes and goes, we're still left with the waiting. So that's what we're talking about today is how do we wait? In our text today, we're gonna meet this older couple. They've been waiting a long time to be a mom and dad. They're an old couple. They can't conceive children. This is, this, is what, this is what the Bible says about them. This couple's name is Zachariah and Elizabeth. Zachariah is a priest in the temple. Elizabeth is Mary's cousin. We met her last week as we started this new series called The Lyrics of Christmas. And this is what Luke says about Zachariah and Elizabeth. Luke chapter 1 verse 6 it says, both of them were righteous in God's sight. 
living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. So we know that they loved the Lord, they served him, but, verse seven says, they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive and both of them were well along in years. That's Bible talk for old, (laughs) They're old, they can't have kids. So here you have this faithful older couple. They're faithful to the Lord, they're serving him, but they're still struggling. And then finally, as you keep reading the story, like you're gonna see that after years of waiting, Zechariah, the priest, he's chosen to go into the temple and do this special ceremony that they do it like this lottery, they do this uh, way of choosing who gets to go in and do it. Most priests go their entire lives without being chosen to go in and do this thing that Zechariah has chosen to do, which is light the incense in the temple. He's finally chosen to go in there and whenever he goes in to light the incense, there's somebody else standing in the room with him and it's the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel says this to them, that Zechariah, your prayers have been heard and will be answered. This is the greatest day of his life, isn't it? He was chosen by this lottery to go into the temple and do the thing, and then he goes in and he hears this angel saying, your prayers have been heard and will be answered. But he doesn't respond in the best way. He says, how's that gonna happen? And the angel's like, ah, wish you wouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have responded that way, and now you're gonna be mute for the next nine months until your baby gets here. How many of you ladies would say, that would be really great if my husband would be (laughs) mute for nine months? Well, that's what happened to Zechariah. He can't speak for nine months. And then you look in verses 57 through 66, the day comes, God comes through, the baby is born, and his name is John. They say, what's his name gonna be? Surely it's gonna be Zechariah. And they're like, no, it needs to be John because that's what the angel said. And they ask uh, ask Zechariah and he writes it down on this board and he says, his name is John with an exclamation point. He's John the Baptist, that's who that's gonna be. And at that moment, his, his mouth is open, he's able to speak. And what happens next is he begins to go into this song of praise about the faithfulness of God. And I think what we can learn in this moment today, this morning, is, is we can learn a lot about our waiting in this season that's difficult or tough and, and we're waiting for the Lord to respond and intervene in some way. We can learn about our waiting from looking at Zechariah's response. All right, so that's what we're gonna look at. Before we read the text, I want us to pray and ask the Lord if he'll speak to us in this time. So I'll pray for all of us. You take the chance just to pray for yourself. Ask the Lord to speak to you in this moment. Let's all pray together. God, we uh, love you, and we thank you for this time together, the moments that we share together as a church family. God, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this room. Lord, I thank you for the Christmas season and all that it means for us as believers and followers of Jesus that, that Jesus stepped into the darkness of this world to take on flesh and take on our sin problem so that we could have a relationship with you. And so, Lord, we're thankful for that, but we also recognize that life is tough. And so, would you be with us this morning as we're talking about what it looks like to wait and to wait well? And would you help us to respond to your word this morning? We love you. Would you speak to us? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 67. This is the song that Zachariah starts to sing after his mouth is opened, after his child is born. All right. Verse 67. Then his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and provided redemption for his people. 
He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, just as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets in ancient times. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. He has given us the privilege since we have been rescued from the hand of our enemies to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness in his presence all our days. And you, child, now he's talking about John, and you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So in this song of faithfulness, the, where, where Zechariah is worshiping the Lord for his faithfulness, he's speaking in, in, in the perfect sense, meaning Jesus hasn't been born yet, but he's speaking as if he has, okay? So this is a prophecy, it's a song that he's singing about the birth of Jesus and even his own waiting in the faithfulness of the Lord. And so I think for us, we can learn from him, we can wait knowing, I'm gonna show you three things out of this passage. We can wait knowing first, that he keeps his promises. He keeps his promises, verses 67 through 73. This is talking about the faithfulness of God over time and throughout their history. He specifically mentions David in verse 69, and he also mentions Abraham in verse 73. What's happening here? These are two big promises that the Lord has made uh, to his people. He makes a giant promise with Abraham. It's known as the Abrahamic covenant. And then he makes the same one or a different one, but he makes a big promise to David called the Davidic covenant. All right, that just means promises. So to Abraham, this old man who he and his wife couldn't have children either, by the way, God makes this promise to him in Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, that essentially says this, that I'm gonna make you into a great nation and through you, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. That's what he tells Abraham. I'm gonna make you, this guy and this wife who are too old to have children, I'm gonna make you a great nation. You're gonna have a descendant and a nation is gonna be born and through that nation, all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. And then it just doesn't happen for a while. And Abraham and Sarah get impatient and they begin to take matters into their own hands and they begin to complain. And then in Genesis chapter 15, verse five, God tells Abraham, he says, hey, I need, to, I need to reaffirm my commitment to you and I want you to remember my promise. And he takes him outside and he says, I want you to look up at the sky and count the stars if you're able to actually count them. That's how many offspring you're gonna have. Your offspring will be that numerous. That's what the Lord tells him. And then it just doesn't happen for a while either. Abraham and Sarah are left waiting. In fact, from the moment that God makes the promise in Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 21, when their baby Isaac is born, it's 25 years of waiting. 25 years. But then in Genesis chapter 21, Isaac is born. God kept his promise that he's gonna give him a son and through that son, the nation is gonna be formed. But there's still that that last bit of the promise that says, and through you all the peoples of the earth are gonna be blessed. That part was still to come. That part is fulfilled in Jesus. How do I know that? Well, if you read Matthew chapter one, you see the genealogy of Jesus. And Matthew begins by telling you the family lineage of Jesus. He starts at Abraham and he walks all the way to Jesus. 
Meaning that promise all the way back in Genesis chapter 12 where he says, all the people of the earth are gonna be blessed through you. God was already talking about Jesus Christ. So he makes a promise about Abraham and, and Zechariah mentions that. And then he also mentions David. This promise that was made to, to David. That promise comes in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16, the Davidic covenant, this famous moment where God looks at David and says this, your house and kingdom will endure before me forever and your throne will be established forever. So he just told King David, I wanna read it to you again so that you can kind of remember, he says, your house and kingdom will endure before me forever and your throne will be established forever. Now we know by reading the rest of their history that he's not talking about Solomon or Rehoboam, these sons that would come after King David because those guys end up dividing the kingdom and it's all conquered, right? He's talking about one that's greater. And Luke tells you exactly who it is. In fact, it's in Luke chapter one, if you wanna look at it. Luke chapter one, verse 32, whenever Gabriel comes to Mary and says, hey, you're gonna have a child, this is what he says about the child. He says, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. Do you see it? Both of these promises that are made long, long ago to Abraham and to David, both of them are fulfilled in Jesus. And that's ultimately who Zachariah is singing about in this song, the one who will bring redemption, it says in verse 68, the one who will bring salvation in verse 69. See, you need to know that the message of Christmas is essentially this, God will always come through. God will always come through, even in the waiting. God isn't just in the blessings or the answered prayers, he's also in the waiting. He's in the moments of silence. He's in the moments of seeking and asking and surrendering. But when you're in those seasons of waiting and it's tough and you don't, know, you don't really know what's gonna happen and you're just pleading with God to change everything about the situation, you just need to know that God never forgets his promises, verse 72, and he always keeps his word, verse 70. That's the reason the writer of Hebrews can say in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, he can say, let us then hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. You just need to know, and I know when it's tough, it's hard to remember, but you need to know that the Lord has good plans for you. He promises you're good. That doesn't mean easy. He promises you're good, and he promises you a future, a future home with him for all of eternity. So in the waiting, you can know that he keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. Number two, in the waiting, you can know that he gives us purpose. Verses 74 through 77, we see Zachariah starts to sing about purpose. And, and yeah, he starts singing about the purpose of his son, which is John the Baptist. He, he's singing about the fact that, that long ago, whenever the Lord was promising a coming Messiah, he also promised another baby that would be born. And that baby would be the one that comes as the forerunner or the herald, the one who announces the coming of the Messiah. You see it in Isaiah chapter 40, verse three. You see it in Malachi chapter three, verse one, this promise of a forerunner, one who's gonna come and proclaim the Messiah. And that's who Zechariah is saying that his own son is. Can you imagine this proud dad moment as the, as the Holy Spirit is speaking through him and he's saying the one that was promised to be the forerunner, that's him, that's John. And he has a distinct purpose for his, 
for his life, John the Baptist does, and that's, that's that he's gonna proclaim Jesus, he's gonna preach about salvation and the forgiveness of sin, which by the way, is our same purpose as well. It's the great commission, but John leads the way as the forerunner to do it. And Zacharias sings about his son. But also, in a more general sense, he sings about all of our purposes. He says in verse 74 and 75, he says, since we have been rescued, to do what? To serve him in holiness and righteousness in his presence all of our days. That's our purpose. We've been rescued to serve him in holiness and righteousness all of our days. And you see that in Zechariah's life. He's faithful to serve the Lord despite all the pain that he's going through. Like I just want you to imagine the pain that, that Zechariah and Elizabeth endured. For years they had prayed. They wanted to be a mom and dad so bad. They had prayed and prayed and prayed and they, they just couldn't ever seem to conceive and so they're walking through pain. If you've ever experienced the pain of wanting children but being unable to conceive, then you know exactly what they're facing, don't you? Except for them, it's maybe one step harder in that in this culture and in this day and age, if you couldn't have children, you were judged. They looked at you like something was wrong, like you did something. You did something to deserve it. You had sinned in some kind of way. God was punishing you, but we know that that's not true. Luke chapter one, verse six says that both of them were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and the requirements of the Lord. That doesn't mean that they were sinless. They were humans just like us, but they loved the Lord and they followed him faithfully and they still didn't have children. They still couldn't. So what did they do? Well, apparently they prayed a lot. Verse 13 tells us. And I think they also just stayed busy. They stayed doing the next thing that they knew to do. Zechariah, he got up every morning, he went to the temple, he served the Lord. He went as a priest and he served the Lord. So for us, we just need to learn from this in knowing that waiting does not mean that you just sit around and do nothing. <laughs> like if you got a situation going on, it doesn't mean that you just pull back and you just, you just let all of your responsibilities go and you just stop, you stop pursuing goodness and faithfulness and all of these different kinds of things. You, you don't do that. It also doesn't mean that you pull back and you, you start to turn to all kinds of horrible things to numb the feeling that you're feeling inside. A lot of times people will turn to some kind of sexual sin or food or drink or you name it to numb that feeling inside of them and that's not the right way to handle it. The right way to handle this waiting period that you're in is to stay faithful, stay busy. You could say it this way, while we are waiting, we must be obeying. So let me be clear. Zachariah didn't wait perfectly. He didn't get it all right. Like that's not, that's not the requirement here for us is to wait perfectly and then one day your prayers are gonna be answered. Zechariah doubted. He couldn't speak for nine months because of it. So he wasn't perfect, but the Lord's faithfulness was never dependent upon Zechariah's faithfulness. It was always dependent upon his own faithfulness and Zechariah staying committed to serving the Lord and one day out of the blue, whenever he was least expecting it, he walks in and his prayers have been answered. But I think through all of those difficult years, all of the waiting, don't you think that the Lord was working in Zachariah's life? Don't you think he was teaching him some stuff? Don't you think he was teaching him what it looks like to stay faithful and to trust him in, in all things? 
Look, even in your waiting, even whenever it's difficult, you, need just, you just need to know that the Lord is working in you and through you. That he has things he wants to do in you personally, and he also wants to use you to affect those around you. So don't neglect time in his word. Don't neglect your, your time in prayer or your time with our church or your time with your small group. Don't neglect those things. Don't stop serving. Don't stop sharing the gospel. Instead, maybe press in one step further in those difficult times and maybe ask yourself this, what is the Lord trying to teach me in this season? How is he trying to shape me right now? How does he wanna use you to advance the kingdom in and through your waiting? I know that that's tough. How does he wanna use you to minister to people around you that are walking through the same thing? And they just need to see somebody who's got just a little bit of faith a little bit of trust. The Lord is working in you and through you in those seasons, in the waiting, you just need to know you have purpose. Finally, number three, in the waiting, you can know that he leads to peace. He leads to peace. We see it in verse 78 and 79. See, the secret to waiting is knowing the goal of the waiting, isn't it? I hate surprises, I don't know about you, but like whenever I'm out driving, and, and just the other day, Abby and I were in Little Rock and we were driving to our son, he was singing at the Capitol, kind of a cool deal, but I've never been down there, I don't know how to get around the Capitol, and so we were trying to use the maps, you know, and we were doing the thing where Abby was trying to hold her own phone and just kind of tell me, uh, I guess by osmosis at points, which turns I'm supposed to be making, you know. And I'm just like, I don't know, just give me the phone, you know? And it's like, I, can't, I don't like the surprises. I need to know what the goal is. I need to know where we're, where we're headed. Look, in the waiting, when life is tough and you're in a season of waiting, you might think that the goal or the destination or what you really need is an answer to that prayer. What you need is some kind of better result for the situation. But I want you to notice that Zachariah's own song here doesn't even focus on the birth of his own son. Sure, he mentions him, but really the mention of his own son is talking about the faithfulness of God. It's talking about the fact that God had promised this forerunner, again, Malachi chapter, uh, chapter three, verse one, talking about this forerunner that's gonna come. That's what Zechariah is singing about, not the fact that God gave him a son. It's who his son's going to be according to the promises of God. Zechariah's song is all about the arrival of Jesus. And that's the goal in your waiting. Ultimately, you're not waiting for the Lord's answers to your situation. You're not waiting for the rewards of faithfulness. You're not waiting for the things that God brings to you. You're waiting for the presence of God to be so close to you. And it may be closer to you in the waiting than it is outside of the waiting. The goal is the presence of the Lord. That's the prize of this whole Christianity thing is that you get him. Not comfort, not stuff. And so when darkness comes over you and life is difficult, and it will be, and you're disappointed with how things are going in your life, understand that true peace comes from knowing Jesus. He's the light in the darkness. There's a saying that says it's always darkest right before the dawn. I'm sure you've heard that, right? And maybe you've experienced it too. You've been outside super late at night or really early in the morning, however you wanna look at it, 
and it's dark, and then the sun starts to come up, and there's just something just natural inside of you that just has a little bit of hope and a little bit of peace whenever you see that sunrise, huh? That's what Zachariah is talking about here. He's saying it's been dark, but now the dawn has come. And the dawn that he's talking about isn't the answer to his prayer of the sun. He's talking about the fact that Jesus, the promised Savior, is coming. This darkness has been invaded by light. I want you to see what he's talking about here. He's referencing another Old Testament promise or prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9. It's going to be on the screen for you. And I just want you to notice what, what the light invading the darkness does for the whole situation that he encounters. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two, 700 years before Jesus is born, this is what's said. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice when dividing spoils for you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. See, Jesus is the light that breaks into the darkness. And he doesn't just bring a sensation or a feeling of peace, he is the peace. He's the prince of peace. And so sure, that's talking about the sin and the darkness of our world that Jesus uh, invades and comes in to save us from our sin problem, but I think it could also be said that in the darkness that you're walking through right now of this waiting period, that Jesus is your peace in that situation. And this Christmas season is the perfect time for you to remember the fact that he is your peace. See, Christmas is, is more than just waiting for presents. It's more than just waiting on family time or traditions, those kind of things. During Christmas, yes, we celebrate and we remember that Jesus came to earth as a baby, but you know what else we're thinking about at Christmas? We're also thinking about the promise that he laid out before us that one day, just as he came the first time as a baby, he's gonna come again. And because we know that he keeps his promises, we can trust that. And so this broken world and the things that you're facing right now, that's not the end. This life is not your only shot at happiness, right? And, and maybe Christmas is the perfect time to remember that. See, Christmas is interesting because it hits all of us differently, doesn't it? Like right now in this room, there's some people who life couldn't be better. Like you're just, everything's great. It's magical, it's joyful, it's, it's joyful and triumphant, it's all the things, and I'm happy for you, right? I hope that's you. I hope that's how life is for you. But for others in this same exact room, it's a difficult season. It's, it's, it's hard. The season that is supposed to feel happiest ironically feels saddest. And you're in a season of pain. You're in a season of waiting. Maybe you've lost a loved one this year and this holiday season is painful. Maybe your marriage is struggling and you're just begging the Lord to restore it. Maybe your kids aren't making 
the best decisions and it's, it's killing you. Maybe you're getting picked on at school and you feel all alone. Wherever you are in that spectrum of joyful and triumphant to this is a really tough season, all of us can agree that we have peace in Jesus, even in the waiting, even in the difficult, even in the hard. In the waiting, you can know that he keeps his promises, that he gives you purpose, and that he leads you to peace. And that peace is the person of Jesus. Emmanuel, God in the flesh, God who came to be near to us, the Prince of Peace, the promised Savior of the world. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.